0: Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Right, good afternoon everyone. Um, welcome to the uh, today's virtual ODI Fridays lecture. Um, I will introduce today's speaker in just a minute, um, but I just wanted to give uh, some ground rules on how we're going to run the session today. Um, I'd like you uh, all to stay on mute, please, whilst um, the the talk is is ongoing. Um, You can unmute um, at the end in order to ask questions. Um, I also wanted to let you all know that we will be recording um, the talk today and it will be published on um, our YouTube channel afterwards. So, uh, if you're unhappy with your, your face or voice uh, appearing on the recording, then please keep your video off um, and you can um, ask questions um, in the um, Zoom chat. Um, the um, you've, yeah, So you've got two ways to ask questions. One, just by posting it into the chat. Um, you can also raise your hand and I can then come to you individually um, to give you a chance to ask uh, questions directly. Um, So I think that's it in terms of um, basic ground rules. Um, So to um, introduce uh, today's speaker, uh, we have Theo Blackwell, who's Chief Digital Officer for London. Theo was appointed in 2017 and leads on London-wide digital transformation, data and smart city initiatives at City Hall. So uh, welcome to the lecture, Theo. Um, And I'm going to hand over, let you share your screen and start your presentation.
1: Hi, Uh, just sharing my slides now. Can everyone see that? Yep, but I mean, everyone's on mute, so don't don't all rush at it. Um, So um, I hope everybody, first of all, I hope everybody is safe and well. Uh, I'm speaking to you from Crystal Palace, where I've been ensconced for the last week. Um, uh, we're all working remotely at City Hall. Um, and I thought I'd uh, take you through uh, some slides that I most recently presented in, uh, to some CDOs in New Orleans, explaining uh, our job, my job in relation to data and... Um, and our, some of our developing thinking, and then perhaps towards the end, uh, because obviously what's on all of our minds is the response to COVID nineteen. Um, I'll just uh, outline some of the, the the sort of issues and things that we're doing around uh, that too. So, down. Okay, so uh, I was appointed uh, to just over two and a half years ago by Sadiq Khan, um, and my role uh, in this sort of org chart that we put together uh, uh, is essentially working in the mayor's office directly to the mayor's chief of staff, David Bellamy, and working in a a sort of advisory capacity, the Smart London Board, which is a a group of people uh, who've been appointed uh, through the sort of mayoral process, gives us uh, advice, steers, and shows us some potential opportunities Uh, They meet on a quarterly basis. So um, although there is no direct team to support uh, the chief digital officer role in London, uh, I am tasked specifically, um, I mean, no large team. I've got a small team of people who work on smart initiatives. Um, I'm tasked specifically with working with what's called the city intelligence unit, uh, and also the digital transformation team in external relations. Uh, and in addition to that, close working with what's called the technology group within City Hall. The City Intelligence Unit um, uh, effectively run the London Data Store, uh, which you'll all know about. Um, we have a team working on specifically on smart initiatives with sensors funded by the European Union and quite an advanced opinion research and statistics team. The digital transformation team uh, at City Hall uh, does uh, de- develops designs, commissions, digital products, work, runs the website, and so on. And behind that are a whole range of uh, different teams at City Hall um, that, uh, that we work with because they all have emerging data needs. And then behind that as well are the agencies that uh, the mayor has responsibility for, Transport for London, uh, London and Partners, which is uh, uh, external and external promotion, and the Development Corporation's actual physical spaces that are run by the GLA, notably the Olympic Park, Old Oak Common, uh, and the Royal Docks. So um, there's also quite a big push right across the, the GLA to do more group collaboration on IT projects. So that's looking... And constant liaison with uh, the cios of, and cio teams of transport for london mac police london ambulance service so there's quite a broad purview here and partly you know that goes into the nature of london uh, we're effectively a regional authority um so if you kind of compared us with new york it wouldn't be uh a uh, you know a comparison at all. New York sort of directly runs its services, whereas we know that in London there's another tier of local government below us. That said, there are some really significant advantages of London as a whole uh, in the sense that our transport authority is uh, accountable to the mayor. For instance, if you looked at New York, the transport authority is accountable to the governor of the state. Uh, so. All cities as I'll, I'll talk to later have collaboration challenges they're just manifested in different ways and really my role is to come in primarily to address the issue of our very federated system uh, and the collaboration challenges that are arising thereof and i I think you can uh, I think with us we uh, we really looked at um, how in phase one if you like um, Uh, the first three years, how we can build better collaboration between the various public service entities in the city, seek out private, uh, better private sector contacts with um, the tech community and really build our strengths with universities. And so the Smarter London Roadmap that we put together in 2018, which you see on your screen, essentially has five main areas of work. And there are about 20 or 25 initiatives that um, that come from this. We developed this after talking to, um, uh, ha- holding about 80 public meetings, uh, doing, I think, the largest listening exercise on data and what it means to be a smart city that London's ever had. And the clear steer coming back from us, uh, although af- affirming our our premise of these five areas of activity, was that it's really important that when we discuss data and uh, technology, that we put people first. So the first thing that we've done is championed user centred design. So that's the Mayor of London saying we should abide by good design standards. We help craft the local digital declaration, and uh, today, actually, where we've agreed our new digital and technology strategy for City Hall, uh, online, remote working, uh, which is a major uh, major advance, um, that puts the principles of uh, the government service standard right at the heart of how we design things and provides new assurance processes as an, in internal and external facing digital products and services that we will do so according to those standards. That's the first time that's happened, before it probably happened or in, in an ad hoc way, rather than as standard. Secondly, to focus on city data. By that, uh, we mean uh, how we use the London data store to become the central register of where data is in London and promote data sharing pro- projects inside and outside the GLA. Thirdly, world-class connectivity. So that is creating the first concrete plan for uh, full fibre connectivity into homes uh, in London using the planning process. So the London plan, which is currently back and forth between the mayor and the secretary of state, has a really strong vision requiring developers in all new properties to put in full fibre connectivity to homes. We are using the transport network to uh, essentially lay hundreds of kilometres of full fibre cable. That will not only, um, you know, th- through, through another step, will not only provide 4G coverage on the tube uh, in the next few years uh, when you're in tunnel, but it will also create a full fibre spine right across the city. And we've identified 600 public buildings uh, to connect that fibre spine to um, uh, right across London. That lowers the cost of investment for private providers to then provide full fibre and address the problem that only about 13% of London has full fibre coverage. It's a major area of work. And just to think like maybe four or five years ago with fibre coverage, um, you know, we, we were handing out vouchers to businesses, so this is just like a major step forward. Digital skills, we have responsibility for skills. And uh, later this year, there will be an entitlement for uh, all adults with low or no basic digital skills uh, to get training. So it's a devolved power from government. So we're looking, and there's a kind of really interesting data question here is, you know, it's one thing offering digital skills entitlement to Londoners who don't have it. It's another thing getting people to take it up. And who do we target? So there's a major initiative around that. And the final area is city collaboration. So that's the development of the London Office of Technology and Innovation, which is working with 16 boroughs, uh, including on data projects, to create a coalition of the willing, uh, for the first time, people who ascribe to the same values uh, and ways of working to work together on projects. And that's not based at City Hall. It's funded in part by City Hall, the boroughs and London councils. Based in London councils is the appropriate body to take that forward. So all of those things, I think, if you looked in a big organisation, essentially you'd have, and it wanted to do digital transformation, it essentially would have, we think, would have to do those things. Design, data, infrastructure, skills and talent and collaboration. We're just applying that to a city. So... um, That enables us to create uh, the resource and provide the leadership and the direction of travel and where we think people should go. So um, the responsibilities of the mayor are... um, So I'm doing these on PDF, so I'll try and get them to fit the page. So the responsibilities of the mayor are uh, effectively set out in statutory strategies set by Parliament, what the mayor should do. Um, And I've put these out in in outcomes here. Our environment strategy says we should be a zero-carbon city uh, in the next few decades. Our transport strategy aims to change the transport mix. We want 80% of people to uh, move around London by walking, cycling or public transport by 2041. So none of these things addressed below are, are really going to be, none of these objectives are really going to be addressed without data and technology. And not just data held by City Hall, but data held by councils, universities, civil society, citizens themselves uh, right across London. So how we, in phase one, build that capability to have a big conversation about data, how we do the data store for twenty, uh, the 2020s is uh, effectively now a core part of our business. London's key driver is, um, it's rising population so by two thousand fifty possibly another two million people so uh, in 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 sort of old money that's that's equivalent of eight extra boroughs um, and what we 've done in this phase one is created this new innovation infrastructure so with the data we 'll be able to make more open calls uh, more ways of engaging civil society and businesses in meeting those challenges you 've got my small group at City Hall, and uh, our funding for various accelerators. Um, we have Transport for London's innovation team, which was set up in uh, 2016, led by Michael Hurwitz. And they're doing open call challenges such as Road Lab, uh, sponsoring a transport innovation hub in um, with Bosch uh, uh, called Connectory. Um, And they work with us very closely on other open call initiatives like the Mayor's Civic Innovation Challenge, which recently awarded six companies uh, a small prize and opportunity to work with TfL on issues like curbside mapping um, and heavy uh, freights, how we reduce heavy freight uh, movement around London. London and Partners, the promotional agency for London, funded in part by business and the Mayor of London, has a team of people to connect with inward and outside uh, investment and opportunities in London, which then triggered a conversation of what does London look like if someone's got a great idea and they want to scale it? Uh, so we're very working very closely on presenting that um, uh, shortly. And as I said, the London Office of Technology and Innovation. And the important thing about this slide is that, you know, none of these things, these functions existed um, three or four years ago. These are all, we've had to create new institutions to engage uh, the tech community and respond to the growth of data opportunities uh, and, of course, increased need. So open data, one of the things that London is really good at. it's got a strong track record in publishing open data, but we know today that it only hit, meets the. It's uh, is the tip of the iceberg. Um, there are more types of data available to us. Uh, a lot of it um, has, uh, you know, is commercially confidential or uh, is personal, and so rules apply to it. And we know that in order to meet those challenges, we need to use combinations of data, not just data that is open. So we've worked with the Open Data Institute and um, and done some discovery ourselves on the London Data Store, which you know, although rebooted in two thousand and fifteen, um, effectively we think we need to rebuild it now to meet today's um, you know circumstances. And really, when when the first data store was created in 2010, the kind of user needs of data, like who would, you know, who would be using it or creating things, weren't really, I think, fully taken into account. The whole culture at the time was, you know, publish that data, um, and we wouldn't sort of know who was publishing it because that wasn't the point. It was just getting the public sector to open up data. Um, so it it kind of it slipped by without Um, or it slipped through without actually engaging a lot of service design principles. So now when we look at designing it, we want to know who uses the data store so we can really meet their needs. So that was a large part of our work with the Open Data Institute, and we're currently developing a process with public digital, Mike Bracken's consultancy, and that's funded by Bloomberg uh, Associates, to develop the data store not so much as a, as a product within City Hall and a small team, but as a service to the organisation and indeed other users in London. So um, our um, ad hoc approach at the moment has, is can be quite challenging. Um, we, we sometimes have uh, challenges sharing data in London, so we also need to use this process to uh, engage with um, uh, imp- improving the data sharing that we have right across public agencies. So just turning to this slide here, what we think that our, the data store has uh, not only is uh, you know, in terms of reputation and the data sets uh, that we have at the moment, Uh, is that we think it has a distinctive approach. And when I look at other cities and what they call smart city platforms, it seems very much to me that what they have is, is a kind of massive repository of data from sensors and other places in one place in order to sort of do stuff. And I think we approach it slightly differently. And we say, well, what's the stuff we want to do? And then how can we source the data through a trusted data store approach. Also because of the way London's made up, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where there is a place where all the data is held. What we will have more is a kind of web of different data uh, sort of owners And the job of the data store is to make the case for how that data should be shared and what the public benefit should be. So at the moment, you see on the screen, we've got work on air quality with King's College London. That that ultimately will be able to produce a a, effectively a sort of a 48-hour version of a weather report for air quality on an open API, which people will be able to innovate from. Infrastructure mapping, where we share commercially sensitive data from from uh, construction companies and others. Um, on, so that the benefit to the public would be to dig up the road once for utilities uh, and others uh, when you're constructing a site rather than having different entities coming up, digging a road up many times. That's effectively, that's pretty close to a data trust that's currently in operation. Uh, we've got work with the Geospatial Commission um, we've got uh, on mapping underground assets, so uh, to in- to increase the construction, um, or oh, sorry, uh, to help construction times because quite often major construction projects are just delayed because they hit something they didn't know it was there, which is also a danger to life. We've got work on IoT data with Greenwich, funded by the European Union. We work with the uh, uh, on violence reduction, uh, sharing quite a lot of sensitive information. And we have a major project on publishing open planning data uh, openly with a new automated system, which should come on stream later this year, which I think is a model for the rest of the country. Now, planning being core business for the GLA, we are a planning authority, it's really important that we invested a lot of time and effort in getting that right. So we've been working really closely with the uh, local government digital fund, which we were awarded uh, money for, and the number of councils on 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 that particular project. So uh, just going through some of these here, just so you get a sense of the projects going on. Transport for London, obviously, is an open data champion in its own right because of the unified API um, and it's got various commercial par- partnerships. It's done quite a lot on uh, anonymous mobile phone data. So when you go through tube stations um, where you can get a mobile signal in the station itself, it gives us an idea of true passenger numbers, routes people are taking through the underground network, um, and real insights uh, that we didn't have before or would have to be done by human beings. I think there's a future question for TfL about how innovation isn't just through open data, uh, which it mainly was before, uh, when you know the unified API allowed um, Citymapper to exist and so on. Um, I, I think it has it itself has quite a lot of data. So what's the next step for TfL? Is a really important question. The real game changer in London in terms of data is uh, something we're working quite closely on uh, the NHS One London programme is unifying the social care records with the health records, um, which has potentially tremendous benefits, not just to the operation of the NHS, but also uh, insights into uh, ill health uh, so that we can prevent acute need arising um, uh, uh, or presenting itself when it's too late. that has involved a really interesting conversation and really detailed conversation with citizens about the use of their data. Um, and that culminated earlier this year with a four-day citizen Summit uh, over two weekends in February and March uh, with 100 Londoners who were representative of London to talk to them about when it was appropriate that their data is shared with research bodies or outside the NHS and inside the NHS. And so they made some really interesting recommendations about um, governance. Um, you know, there was actually, uh, you know, quite a lot of support, a lot of, you know, majority of support for uh, data sharing, a significant majority of support for data sharing. And it gave us insights into why data sharing wasn't happening at the moment. It's a really important part of our data conversation. And now we've got... Um, London Office of Technology and Innovation, which is run by Eddie Copeland at London Council. So that's a huge amount of work on just setting the kind of shared values that go beyond information governance rules, including a joint statement of intent on responsible data sharing, working with Manchester Combined Authority to make the information governance process better. It's launched City Tools London. Uh, which is on an open API, which is a map of all of the technology products that 22 of the 32 boroughs have, and you know mapping them against the actual services and when the contracts run out. So this enables us to actually open up a conversation with providers. 70% of uh, London services are provided by about 15 firms. Uh, so it gives us an idea of the technology mix and our ability to talk to them about Open APIs uh, and how they should be established in the future. So, really important groundwork uh, for us there. Uh, Finally, uh, on this, we also had an IoT sprint week. So, for one week, some of you may have been involved. We brought together academics, citizens, businesses to talk about the uses of Internet of Things and sensor technology, including a discussion about data ethics. So instead of having a, like a series of seminars over six months, we just said like well, let's just do it in in a week. And actually, one of the impo- important things of the London Office of Technology and Innovation is just doing a have a way of working which is really quite different from how local government normally works. Um, emphasis on you know and you know agile approaches, doing things swiftly, and so on. So. Sorry, I'll just get this slide out. It's, it's sort of like quite important. My graphics are not that good, and I always want to, in, looking to enhance this one. But the central hypothesis of data in the future for London, the Data Store 3.0 is, as I say, not that kind of central repository of, you know, all of London's data, is that wouldn't be practical. Um, it, it sort of goes with the grain of how London's built. And instead uh we would have a um a central we'd be the central register like the library index card of where the data is held from uh many public sector and other organizations in london so where the we'd have a metadata the metadata and that would enable us to do projects when they arise and then build our capacity to ask the right questions that start those projects off in the first place. So in the end, I think the kind of the future of London data isn't so much, you know, quite often when you sort of talk about data and cities, you get immediately into a kind of all bells and whistles technology discussion about a platform. I think technology actually only plays a small part of this discussion. It's a large part of it is basically multidisciplinary teams, human beings asking the right questions. Um, in conjunction with the technology solution. So, um, so it's really interesting. So it's almost, I, I, um, I, was, I was pointed in the direction of a, of a US state, which is approximately the same size of London. And as a state government, they were kind of thinking, how do, we, how do we fit together all of our towns and cities and all of their data resources? And so we have the same kind of challenge as, the, as a US state um, uh, in that sense. Uh, or Or a piece of regional uh, or, or a regional government uh, somewhere else, so how do we get data right in a really federated structure is the is the exam question so that is is the um, that's the direction of travel basically uh, and uh, just to repeat phase one you know fixing the plumbing getting the basics right in order to have this conversation about data um, and that Effectively, is what my job was until about 10 days ago, where now we're obviously talking, you know, a, the, the priority is uh, COVID 19 response and, and supporting our emergency services and councils. So I'll, I'll leave it there. And then there's a couple more slides in the appendix that might address questions as they arise. Thank you.
0: That's great. Thank you, Theo. Uh was a really interesting talk, um, and I love the library index card analogy for the, for the data store. Uh,
1: it's how I remember libraries. I'm sure they're very much more <laughs> digital now than when I was at university. <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember them much the same way. <laughs> um, so um, I wanted to open it up uh, to questions now. Um, so uh, if anyone has a question for Theo... Um, like I say, you can either raise your hand and then I can come uh, come to you individually, um, or you can put a message in the group chat. Um, so while I'm uh, letting you ruminate, um, I've got a, a question to get us started. Um, so I was I was really struck by how you, you were uh, describing um, GLA as essentially a regional authority working with lots of boroughs, and I'm wondering if that you've got um, lessons or insight for other regions of the UK about, you know, uh, what they could replicate from what you've been doing in London.
1: That's a very good question. Um, I think um, it's quite interesting. The GLA is is not the same as the as. Um, it's obviously national national um, institutions like Scotland and Wales. Scotland, in particular, has you know quite an advanced um, setup on data uh, and on innovation. Some of which we have um, reused and repurposed. For, uh, a Lottie, for example, London Office of Technology and Innovation, uh, it is is essentially based on the model of the Scottish Local D- Digital Office. Uh, repurposed for London uh, and with a bit of lessons learned as well. Um, But on the other hand, we're different from the combined authorities who, in a sense, are closer to the councils. Um, And so uh, there's actually quite a lot that we are learning from Manchester in particular, Manchester Combined Authority and the work that they've done on information governance. Uh, and uh, we are also forming a partnership with Leeds city council uh, and their work in the region there because they they've got a really good tradition as ODI knows on doing data and doing data well um, so I think there are um, I think you know I, I'd like I'd like to think that we have, learned and adapted from what works elsewhere in doing London and, and I think that is now reflecting back outwards to other people who are saying we need better collaborative ventures how do we do them because old structures aren't appropriate
0: great thank you um we have a question from Hannah Hannah do you want to unmute and go ahead
2: uh, yeah um Was there any real culture change that had to happen inside the GLA itself for you to be able to reach your goals? Like, did you have to convince anybody to work, any colleagues to work differently?
1: Um, I think uh, I'll answer that two ways. One is there's a tremendous amount of goodwill that this was a need that needed to be, um, you know, responded to uh, or fixed. Um, the GLA historically has focused on data-wise, has been very good at that kind of medium, long-term analysis, essentially supporting its core role to kind of go, what does the city look like in 5, 10, 20 years? Um, the, the chief culture change has come from embedding the principles of the local digital declaration, the Effectively, GDS principles in a GLA setting. Um, So, we are now. um, uh, The first thing I did was to bring in a a peer review from the Local Government Association uh, to assist us with those observations. And we now, uh, and in part, you know, this morning, have put in place a program. To ensure that that's embedded in how we see transformation so it was it was definitely uh, seen as a need but it ha- hadn't quite been expressed in that in that way um and certainly i think the biggest challenge has been how we see data more as a service rather than a sort of team and a, and a data store product um so that work is, is basically still ongoing and probably still has a way to go. Um, but we now have, like, basically senior-level acceptance that that approach is the right one. It's a good, good question.
0: Great. Thank you, Hannah. Um, so we have a question from Jay. Jay, are you happy to unmute and uh, put your question to Theo? Um. Okay, it sounds like there's some background noise, so I'll ask it on your behalf. So, Jay's question was in terms of procurement of third party technologies for your work, what essential factors are they they analyzed against and on what scale? E.g., security, five out of 10, privacy, seven out of 10, accessibility, et cetera?
1: Uh, It's probably a question, I mean, it's probably not a question I could answer in in too much
0: uh,
1: detail. What we have done now as part of our new digital technology strategy is we've set up a uh, a specific board which convenes technologists and service directors um, that provides assurance to all technology products that we purchase. Um, And it provides, in a sense, that wider view where some of those questions, you know, they're you know, the technology questions are definitely asked and his- historically have been asked by the technology group. But um, in, in a similar way to the GDS spend control system, um, we're setting up an assurance system that can follow a digital product all the way through uh, and it will have to be agreed by the digital board before it gets money from the mayor of London. Um, I'm previously there was an assurance process, but some projects that weren't really seen as digital might not have gone through them in that way. So there would have been a check from a pure technology angle, but um, I don't think there was a the realisation that basically most things that we do these days are digital and therefore have to go through that gateway. So that basically has now been put in place. Um and it essentially is a modified uh, G- old old style GDS assurance process without using the word
0: spend control. Thank you. Um, and Kellen, we have a question from you.
2: Hi, hi Theo. Um, I'm actually a student uh, working on um, a data project for a community in East London, and. Um, something that you mentioned uh, whilst you were speaking that really interested me was um, some kind of program uh, that the GLA is planning on putting in place to teach digital skills to adult members of the, gen- of the general public uh, population. So I was wondering how you were all thinking that this would work and what the intended impact would be, because obviously it's I've found it to be, and I'm definitely no expert. Uh, just trying to get people to kind of understand the impact of data to um, them personally, and for kind of uh, broader society. You know, when they might not be necessarily that interested or be able to find that type of information accessible is really difficult.
1: So, the so the project, um, the you know, the big intervention that we'll make is about basic digital skills for, for adults. Um, so currently, low digital skills are assessed against about five, five or six criteria set by the government. If you have low or no digital skills and are over the age of 19, you will be able to get some adult education by going along to a course and it will be free. As I said, the challenge for us is to basically make sure that that is marketed properly to the people who need it, it's one thing basically saying it's on offer. It's another thing getting people who don't know that they need something to to access it. So we will be relying very much on civil society and community groups um, to spread that. But I think also what you were um, uh, uh, you, you you may well also been getting at is for those people who have some digital skills. How do they become more digital leaders to see that the way that their organisation collects data is actually really, really important and how yeah. they use data is really important. Um, and I think um, that's certainly uh, a need. It's not just a public se- sector need, but my primary area of work uh, has been to to look at the public sector. Um I think that uh, it's. I think it's a really, it's it's a really important um, area for us to focus on in the future. And I think the current situation, current crisis, uh, where we need we will need good data from community and voluntary groups about uh, needs, which might change on a weekly basis to be fed through to people who can make decisions about them, um, you, know, that, you know, that will come to the fore. Uh, and indeed, I think, you know, as it's emerged this week um, in particular, that, uh, you know, the focus on good data and timely data uh, is, a, uh, is something that the, right across the government people are asking for.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Canon. Um, we have got a couple more questions from the audience. Um, Lorna, um, did you want to ask Hi. your question? Hi, Theo. Uh, Hi. It's Lorna here. Um, I'm, I'm from Crown Commercial Service, which is um, uh, part of Cabinet Office. Yeah. And I'm really keen to uh, understand the work. Work that's um, going on and the links that are in place, what projects and those sort of strategic links with central government to see potentially how CCS could get involved in in the work that, that's um, underway.
1: Yeah, so uh, my colleague, uh, Eddie Copeland, who's Director of London Office of Technology and Innovation, I know is uh, involved uh, CCS in conversations about uh about procurement and the um and and also uh the the whole city tools project that we've done and if if you haven't had a chance have a look at city tools uh london everybody um it's quite it's quite cool It's, it's it's on a sort of power bi dashboard it was done for us by eden smith um for free i think and um it and have a play around with it because basically you'll be able to see the technology mix of London there okay. for you. Um, you know, uh, and you can and you can sort it by, um, you know, area. So you can get a picture of like who provides the housing technology uh, in London, uh, or you could do it by borough, or you can cut it uh, any which way. Uh, and as I said, the, the crucial thing is we know when the contract ends. Now, for many authorities, so we can then have a discussion with, let's say, Northgate about, um, you know, when if a contract's coming up in March of next year, uh, and there's six authorities that are retendering, it can bring those six authorities together to discuss things about their common needs. So that's that's definitely something that's been happening with, with CCS. Okay. And as I mentioned during my 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 talk as well. Um one of the things that Lossy's really interested in, and this comes directly from the c i o s in um uh in the local authorities. You can cut through all sorts of asks on local government procurement but the but the one that they're really interested in is how do we basically put in uh make sure that there are open apis in the products that we buy. I think that's really fundamentally important and you know it's sort of like if you flip it around without them it actually degrades the need for data people within the local authorities because essentially that function is outsourced and sometimes uh, comes at a cost so so that is a really you know philosophical and practical first step that i think you know, needs to be addressed right across local authorities. And we think transparency, you know, normally we'd kind of like try and lobby for a change, but actually we, we're we building the arguments and the data for that change to happen, um, you know, whether whether government does it or we just do it on our own.
0: Thank you. Great. Thank you, Lorna. I think we've got time for maybe one or two more questions. So, um, Andy, do you want to ask your question?
3: Yes, thanks, Theo, for a fantastic presentation. It was uh, very enlightening to hear about the philosophy. One of the questions I'm, uh, I'd like to sort of build on, and I was, I was very sort of reassured to hear that you were taking a purpose-based approach to the London development, as opposed to, let's put all the data there and see what comes out of it, Obviously, an element of that, that that's still there. The purpose-based approach, who and how are these purposes being decided and um, what might be the sort of long-term visioning that might help guide and provide some sort of structure to, to what those purposes might might be. Uh, there's a reason I'm asking that in that I uh, recently completed a piece of work commissioned by the Royal Free Charity looking at what might be the long-term vision for healthcare, given that there's an explosion of sensors mm. and data. So I was, I was interested to hear about the work that you were doing about hooking records together, but that almost represents a small piece of the the future set of possibilities and data. Uh, so we were looking very much at a sort of cells-to-cities model of health and well-being, saying that there's data from all of those environments, from within sensors in the body, on the body, around the body, in the environment, they're all going to produce data that could be massively powerful in supporting individuals to live better, sort of healthier and and, uh, increase well-being, but also to understand structurally what are the issues that underlie why certain people seem to suffer more, why there's such great health inequalities, and how bringing the data together enables us to see health outcomes and also structures and environments and be able to understand with more precision uh, what's going on to to inform policy uh, and sort of a wider ecosystem of actors to act on that uh love to hear your thoughts on that and would love to share with you some of the work we've been doing on on shining a light on what that might look like in the future because i think it's quite interesting um uh
1: yeah thanks very much so just just had some some lunch put in front of me um (laughs) the uh um so um on purpose-based approach. when I joined, there were quite a lot of data projects going on and they were—they all were, you know, supporting mayoral strategies. But I think if you looked at it from a data sense, you could say that there were a combination of kind of ad hoc projects and there were a combination of ones which supported a direct need that was expressed by a core service or function of the GLA. So. Quite a lot of the projects that I've set out there are ones that I would call truly purpose-based projects because they support the planning function, which is core business, or they directly support a key element in a strategy that the mayor has been democratically charged to set out. Um, For example environment strategy and work around air quality and tools for citizens or tackling crime. Um, So that, that then poses us the question of how do we decide which ones are priorities? So therefore, as part of the data store work, the next step from what the ODI has done for us on the kind of discovery exercise is our work with uh, public digital on setting up this concept of the da- data as a service. And so, therefore, prioritisation of of what our data projects are um, will come with that. So then we, we have to kind of create an internal process to say, like, our priority is actually air quality or, uh, you know, reduction, <laughs> re- reduction of violent crime. So, um so those are areas where we a have identified or you know already quite a lot of investment and then we think about spitting up projects internally with external partners and in a sense they um you know there's a there's a drive with those areas because because essentially we've we've been given a um an area to focus on so um so i think we kind of move from imprecise science to slightly more of a precise science without it being 100% precise if you see what i mean yeah. um so the final point i'd make on your question because you raised data is that as part of um as part of the the experience of doing one london of bringing together those sh- data sharing records that currently exist in you know Thirty different ways in London um, from the old PCT network. I think um, is that there needed to be a more of a unified vision of London's health data. Yeah. So not not just the technical technological architecture that allows us to share, but um, a common. Understanding of what we're going to use it for, and as part of the London Data Vision, which uh, you know until current crisis the work had just started on that, and a number of stakeholders were engaged, and that's um, and that's all um, uh, led by uh, the regional medical director and uh, Sir David Sloman, who of course was at the Royal Free uh, yes. before. Um, those were looking at use cases of that data. Now, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, traditionally you'd kind of go, uh, how do we tackle diabetes um, and, you know, a ver- variety of medical conditions um, that are, you know, sort of uh, well-known drivers of ill health in London. But it also gives us the ability to just look slightly outside of that mm-hmm. and into areas that have of more social... Um, you know sort of wider social impact so part of that process is us just looking at things like uh again our our two big priority areas before um air quality so how does the london health data vision come up with a really good use case on air quality where we can combine respiratory data with housing data or proximity to motorways you know Attendance at schools near motorways, that sort of thing, yeah. Um, and violent crime reduction. So, how do we combine that data so we get a? Is part of violent crime reduction isn't just the sort of immediate stuff of collating data about victims and environment? It's looking at those really long term indicators, or, or and what interventions can we do? Uh, you know at An early age, or with some families, to stop stop something happening five ten years down the line. So, so that that's a really interesting opportunity, and that's why I sort of mm. said one London was a bit of a game changer because it then mm. opened up this need for a wider vision, which brought yeah. in social uh, factors into play. So, um, you know that you know sort of watch this space on that. It's really important, but of course, it it does involve a lot of thinking about ethics yes no that,
3: absolutely and okay well I'll, I'll share with you the work we've done also yeah, with, please with, get in
1: contact with me yeah
3: and with david because he was interviewed and part of the this program so okay great, great. <laughs> thank you so much
0: great thank you for the question andy um, we are uh, out of time for today so um theo i really appreciate you um giving your talk uh today virtually Um, I think it went uh, really well. It was really interesting. Um, Thanks to everyone for coming along and having such great questions. uh, Great. Thank you. It's a real
1: pleasure. Good questions. Thanks. Thanks,
0: everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.